Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of The State of California. Well, we endured a brutal heat wave for the last eight days, taxing California's energy grid with record-breaking demand that took us to the brink of rolling blackouts, and in some cities there were brief power cuts. This was the longest, hottest heat wave California has ever seen in September. It's not likely to be the last, though, as climate change intensifies weather extremes. The drain on the power supply came even as more and more Californians give up their gas guzzlers for electric cars, and in fact, just days after the state adopted new rules that'll phase out new gas-powered vehicles by 2035, we were asked not to charge our EVs during the afternoon and evening hours of peak demand. So what will happen when everybody's driving an electric car down the road? To explore this a bit more, we're joined today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Ethan Elkind, director of the climate program at the Center for Law, Energy, and the Environment at UC Berkeley Law School. He also holds an appointment at UCLA. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, my pleasure, Doug. All right, so first of all, the irony of asking us to buy more electric cars, but then to unplug them because we don't have enough energy at peak hours to charge them all. Uh, you know, that was not lost on the conservative critics of Governor Newsom and those who like to mock California in general. But uh, is there a mixed message there for Californians? Uh, you know, does what's happening now sort of undercut that call to trade in our old cars for, you know, those quiet new electric ones? Well, certainly the optics are not great that we are in a grid-constrained heat wave and right as we're telling people that we want to switch over to electric vehicles. But the fact is that there is still plenty of electricity, just not between 4 and 9 p.m. when everyone's running their air conditioning units. So, you know, the key here really is that we have enough power available, certainly in the short run, uh, and people just need to be able to charge when that power is available before 4 o'clock and after 9 o'clock. And we also need electricity rates that encourage people to do that. You know, it's one thing to kind of beg Californians not to run appliances and charge between 4 and 9 p.m., but we really want to ensure that electricity is very cheap and we have abundant solar energy, for example, in the middle of the day and not a lot of air conditioning load. So we can handle this, but we definitely will need a lot more energy generation going forward. We're going to need a lot more renewables. That means solar and wind. And we need more transmission lines to the places where there is abundant wind and and sunshine available. And we're going to have to do that pretty quickly over the next 15, 20 years or so. Yeah. So how much energy does the EV fleet require now? And I mean, 13 years from now when people, I mean, you could still have your old gas car, but all the new ones will have to be electric. Will we have enough online to meet whatever that demand is expected to be? Well, the estimates that I've seen is that if we fully electrify our vehicle fleet by 2035, as we're hoping to do, although as you point out, it's just about new car sales, right? So new car sales all have to be uh, zero emission, 
battery electric by 2035. It'll take another decade or more to transition all the internal, older internal combustion engines out. And of course, we still have heavy duty vehicles like trucks and buses, and they're scheduled to be phased out even later. So we're still going to have gas and gas infrastructure for decades to come. But in terms of how much electricity demand, the estimates that I've seen are an increase of about 30 percent. Uh, if we switch over to all EVs. So we'll need, you know, 30% more electricity, basically. And, you know, we have time to get there. This is not going to happen overnight. What this equates to is about a couple percentage points a year of increased electricity demand. And it is very manageable to do it, but we just need to make sure that we're deploying renewable energy as quickly as possible. And not just renewable energy, but energy storage. As I mentioned, those transmission lines, too. So uh, it's a tall order, but we can do it. The question is, are we going to get caught up in a lot of red tape and bureaucracy and trying to deploy the infrastructure that we need to get this done? But I will say that electric vehicles can actually be part of the solution to our grid shortage. So, for example, there's a lot of new technology now allowing these vehicles to actually discharge their batteries back into the grid. So you could potentially get paid for not just not charging your electric vehicle at a time when we're running low on supplies, but actually discharging from your battery into the grid. That's very possible to do. And I think in the coming years, we'll see more of that technology. And that means that EVs would actually be part of the solution to keeping the lights on, not just a a problem from increasing demand for electricity. That's pretty cool, as long as you don't need to drive your car somewhere. Uh, One one thing I noticed uh, in following this story this week is how much the state's supply drops off after sundown when all those solar panels stop delivering power. Uh, Is there not sufficient battery storage, or is that just sort of haphazard at this point? I mean, as we move to more renewables, especially solar, how do we compensate for that to make sure we have enough supply at night? Well, energy storage is the key there because, you know, as everybody knows, the sun goes down and then that's often right when everyone's starting to power up their electronics and maybe plugging in vehicles and so forth. So energy storage really is the solution to capture what often is surplus solar energy. We often have too much solar available in the middle of the day. And the state has actually done a lot just in the last couple of years to deploy a whole lot of new energy storage. Batteries are part of that, but there are other energy storage technologies as well, ranging from pumping water uphill to compressing air and caverns and and, uh, and enclosed spaces. So there's a lot of different technologies and investment happening in energy storage. And we do have a lot more than even just a couple of years ago when we faced a relatively similar situation of uh, being constrained uh, in terms of grid supplies and heat waves. So we're actually doing better than we were. And I think that's one of the reasons why so far, knock on wood, we seem to be sort of getting through this uh, this current unprecedented heat wave. And let's keep in mind, this is probably going to be the all-time record heat wave that California has experienced. But so far, it seems like we're managing through it. Energy storage has been a part of that, thanks to all the deployment that we've seen. And we have a lot more energy storage facilities in the pipeline that I think will really help deal with this evening peak that, we're, that we experience in every night in California. You know, one of the things I worry about as somebody who owns both an EV and an older minivan that runs on gas is when you make a long trip, you're going to Tahoe, you're going to Palm Springs, wherever, uh, and you have to decide which vehicle to bring because you want to be able to recharge along the way if you take the EV. How are we doing on setting up that infrastructure? Well, the charging infrastructure is a really key need, and that is one of the barriers that, for many people, prevents them from considering buying an electric vehicle. Now, for many people, probably the majority of people in the state, they have access to a parking spot with a plug right there. And that's basically all you need. If you can install a higher powered uh, home plug, that obviously can help, but it's not not a necessity. But we do need to deploy more of that interstate-based 
charging infrastructure, the fast charging infrastructure. Tesla has their own sort of enclosed ecosystem, but uh, we're seeing a lot more investment from third parties in that charging network. And in the bipartisan infrastructure bill that Congress just passed, uh, I guess it was last year now, there's about $7.5 billion dedicated to electric vehicle charging, and that will help unlock even more private investment from third-party companies that are installing the hardware. Utilities are wiring up a lot of the infrastructure kind of behind the, the hardware that people use to plug in. So there's a lot of different sources of investment. And then the other hope is that automakers themselves will step up you know, beyond Tesla and invest in charging infrastructure. But if you go to websites like PlugShare.com, you can see that we're actually doing a pretty good job deploying a lot of this fast charging infrastructure. And I can say as, as an electric vehicle driver myself, I've noticed a huge kind of uh, surge in, uh, in charging infrastructure on some of these major highways in California just in the last few years. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time, but thank you so much for being with us. Ethan Elkind, Director of the Climate Program at the Center for Law, Energy, and the Environment at UC Berkeley Law School. You can hear the state of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find me on Twitter, at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.